Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. Monday and Cofield and Company. The company is Adam Hill, Steve Cofield. Five o'clock hours here. We got NBA playoffs starting up. 28-22. Miami on top of Philly without. Without. Joel Embiid. 35 seconds left in the first. Would you have played points and assist over 35 for James Harden? Yeah. I mean, I, I just assumed James Harden was going to have a massive you would think. couple of games. He has to, right, for them to have a chance? Um, my guess without knowing anything about what's happened in the game is that you did play it and it is not going well. I didn't play it. Okay. No, I happen to say I don't play stuff like that. I'm not okay. a player prop guy. Okay. Not that, you know, you're a bad person or a schnook if you're doing it. That's what the number was, 35? It was 35, yeah. Wow. Well, uh, so he far, he's at eight. Well, Five so points, three assists. Into the first quarter, so he's right on pace yeah. almost. He might get one here. I think they took he just out. passed one out near midcourt. This oh, no. should be an assist after four more passes. Uh, nope, no, no longer. Too many dribbles. What? Yeah, it is Miami. No hometown, uh, hometown score. Sure. Eight for the first quarter. That's a start. Good start. Hopefully, he has a gas tank to last the entire game. Hopefully, they're not blown out get, by the beginning of the fourth quarter. Then he may not get there. Can they get in-game props? Don't know. Over now. I don't know that you can get them in town if you if so. you have access to. Far away places, which now include New Jersey and Illinois, maybe. I'll get on that. Aruba? You don't seem that excited to get on it. <laughs> no. Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. All right. Maybe the rest of the Big Five will float your boat. Sure. We'll, we'll get into dead bodies. We'll get into dead bodies. Step on my line. <laughs> anyway. Um, did you see the news that uh, Lake Mead continues to drop? So now there's some pipes exposed. And over the weekend, they found a barrel with skeletal remains in it. The woman who found it screamed. Do you think uh, you would so scream? Would, would you scream? I don't. Th- I would be. I think I would be like. I mean, I'd post it on Instagram immediately. Uh, so I don't know if I'd be screaming. Would you alert the authorities or would you just post it on the IG and walk away? I would tag Metro. You would tag them. You <laughs> yeah. wouldn't call them. I think Hopefully so. Hopefully they say it. I think you tag them. Yeah. They have, they're on social media as well. Like, well, here's the thing. We can say, like, what would you do? We're going to find out. There's going to be a lot more of these. This is only, this is only well, the first. So body in a barrel by the remain. I'm sorry, by the uh, whatever was there with the body. They're saying it's probably from the 80s. So his body could be over 40 years old. Wasn't the skeleton wearing a suit? Oh, I didn't see that. Is that right? Was it like an 80s style style suit? I could be wrong. I'm throwing off now. (laughs) Did you see another dead body suit wearing story? No, I could have just, maybe somebody was joking. Okay. (laughs) So what's your first thought? Barrel, body, thrown in Lake Mead. Yeah. Yeah, my first thought is, yeah. Is this surprising? Well, but what's your it's like a mob burial ground? What? Of course, okay. that's that was my first what, thought as well. That's that's where they dumped the bodies. Well, yeah. Why would this be well, surprising? I thought it was interesting that uh, was it Lieutenant Spencer Metro. I mean, he came right out with it. He said, uh, first of all, it's going to be a very difficult case to crack. Sure. Uh, secondly, I would say there's a very good chance as the water level drops that we are going to find additional human remains. Is this on the assumption that people were just falling into Lake Mead and? Or or that lots of barrels were thrown into Lake Mead in the 70s and 80s. Oh, that's a boating deaths 
dangerous dangerous hikes. I think this person just was out on a hike and fell into a barrel and then rolled in. I'm actually shocked with with the the um, the distance we're pushing out the perimeter of the city that we haven't found more cases like this. Oh yeah, yeah. When they're building, and I, houses. I was I was up in the southwest corner, and I'm pointing in the direction from the studio. The southwest corner. I guess it's not that southwest, but uh, anyway, it's more. Uh, it's a uh, sunset and wallapai. By Bishop Gorman. Okay. And I drove up there to drop someone off, and I'm like, I lived over here five years ago. It was seven years ago. I'm like, what are you, where am I? No idea. Isn't that I'm like, a, that's where someone's buried. Is it what, wild there? Out beyond that? Like, way out beyond. It's not way out, but yeah, it's uh, it's out beyond that. I was like, where the hell am I? Yeah, it's, it's but, crazy. But you think back, Lake Mead was friggin' far. Oh yeah, it back was, forty it, years ago. It's like, oh, I'm going out there. I'm not going out there. We're going out there. That's where we drop off I the bodies. Looked at a house there today. <laughs> Is that right? Oh, you yeah. look at you. Yeah, you getting a separate house? You going snowfall? You in a cookhouse? What's going no, on? Oh, just in that weird spot. Really, you, your house is Ooh, too valuable. But breaking at the same news. Time, no, I, no, there's no breaking news. Breaking news. Well, I'll tell Adam you what Hill started. Could it. be moving sixty no, miles away from I'll, the station. I'll tell you exactly what started it. I got the. the you know, you get, all, you get offers for your house all the time. Of course. Yeah. I'm sure you do, because and it's so much more than you paid for it. But you're like, what would you do? Like, you, you go into a, another house that's just as expensive or more. Now you're not going for it. I like this place for $1.1 LV, our, our old friend LV Cabby Chronicles, is now, I think, LV Real Estate Chronicles or whatever whatever he's doing now. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. He, he posted a house the other day. Yeah. And I looked at it, and I was like, what? This is awesome. It was an incredible <laughs> house. And he posted, he's like, wow, this is an absolutely insane house for 385000 Like, uh-huh. this is like, this is going to go fast. And, and you I went said, and looked? I was like, you know what? I was like, I like, I could actually sell my house. My house is worth wow, more than that. Breaking news. I was like, my house is worth more than that? This house is so much better. I'll just sell my house and get it. Okay, what was the what was the hitch? It was it was a typo? It was three point eight five million. Somebody entered it wrong. You Oh my god! It got me. I was like, whoa! Three point eight million dollar house. You like, should have seen it. Somehow they slipped it through. Adam Hill got it. <laughs> you should have seen it. It was incredible. I was like, I'm gonna offer even more than that for this place. And then I was like, okay, well that's probably why. Uh, but then I then I was like, well, if, if you are gonna buy something, it has to be very way far away from town. And now there's going to be bodies on your on your property, so there's you can't win. Number four. Let's hope they solve the case too. The poor person that's in there with the skeletal remains. It's, not, it's not really a funny story. The, wait, does it matter at this point? Yes. Yeah. Get them. What, well, what are you? What are you of the belief that? Dead. What are you the belief of like a murderer if they're 78 years old can't go to jail? No, they're probably dead. What if they're not? Lock them up. They're still dangerous. I'm saying, all, all you guys out there, and I'm not saying, not saying he did anything close to that or you know, the allegations, civil trial. But like all you guys, I'll repeat it again. Like, oh, OJ's old. I'm not saying OJ dumped someone in a barrel into Lake Mead, but like, you know, what if, what if it was him? Oh my god. Uh, but like, I I look at him now. I'm like, I ain't head on a swivel. I don't I don't even he's mean a, that. He's an imposing guy. I don't care I don't, if he's don't, 78 years old, whatever he is. I don't even mean seeking justice. I'm, what I'm saying is. The family of the person who died. Yeah. 
I wouldn't. I like. First of all, I'm actually sad that this like that it happened. I don't want them to ever find them. Right. At this point, I don't want to bring up old memories, and I don't want to go through like a trial. Yeah, I don't want all that happening. I, I just would would rather let sleeping dogs lie, as the phrase would go. It's probably sure. unfortunate, but I, I would just want to ignore that. What if they actually they they actually got someone? Right. I wouldn't like. I, got, that's what I'm saying. Got, I wouldn't want to go through that. And then you got guys with crooked noses, like the family's calling your house. Like, yeah. Are you going through this? Are you testifying? If they, yeah, if they call me like over there. If, if gotta watch yourself. I, I guess I can't speak for exactly. I don't know why every mobster has to be some New York guy. I don't have an unsolved murder in my hey. family. Yeah. But I also would like if they called it like, hey, we found the body of your relative. We're gonna open the case. We're gonna find this person. I don't. I don't. Just let let, let this go. I don't want to go through this again. Number three. Let's talk about something positive. Let me get number four, too. We're going to do number four here. Number four. Let's talk about something positive. The Golden Knights. Okay. In the offseason. Did they just find their body in the desert? Uh, big time poker player. I'm going to ignore that. Daniel Negreanu says that he'd bet a million dollars that the McCrimmon-DeBoer combo would never win a cup anywhere and says... McCrimmon is the root cause of everything toxic. What do you hear, Adam? Well, first of all, I think I would make the same bet. Based on the fact that what, they'll never, inc- they would never get a chance again together elsewhere? Yeah, of course. Okay. You've got incredible odds. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would think I would make a, the same bet. It's probably a no play. All right, what about McCrimmon? It, it, this is his issue. My guy? He did this. My guy, Kelly? We've had some really in-depth talks about this cage size in the UFC. GMKM. I know you like him. There, there's clearly communication issues somewhere there. Now, mm-hmm. some of them have been, I think, way overblown. And I also feel like nobody was saying he was toxic or DeBoer was toxic or the team was when they were having unbelievable success. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, clearly there's a problem. Like, who was saying that before? Publicly? Probably no one. How could you? They're the most successful franchise in all of sports. Well, I'm saying it's things were unraveling this year. Yes, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> when it's when it's now when it's down, now it's like, well, there's there's a problem there. Nobody was saying they were the for the last four years, they've been the most successful franchise in sports I, history. I know you have your side in the flurry. Leonard thing, but I think people could say that that situation was quite toxic. Of course, aside it was. from the two players and the agent, like yeah. who else was involved in that mix? Yeah, the team of toxicity. Sure, sure the team was, and and I think we've seen. Listen, if you, I don't believe that Pete DeBoer is a major problem, but he was kind of the common denominator in the messaging, and I think he was put in a bad position by people above him and people around him to have. Poor messaging, but the messaging publicly has been the problem more than I think what's happening actually in the organization. I think it's public messaging, mm-hmm. and and I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I think he's put out there to say certain things, and that's not always true. And then people either take it for what it's for what it is, or they try to read into it, which I think you should try to read into it because you're, you know, you don't every take everything at face value. But I mean, if you want to put a public face on it, it would be DeBoer. Now, I, again, I don't think it's his issue. It, it is people above him. And and I think that they, they're 
their desire to keep everything private mm-hmm. has caused issues. Yes, it's backfired on them. Yeah, but it didn't before. If you want to keep things private, everyone has to be on on board. Sure. All the players involved in a situation have to be on board. Yeah, and guess who you're never going to have on board 100. You'll never know if he's on board because any given day it could change. Robin Leonard. I don't. I mean, I don't know if it could change every day with social media. Yes, it can. It's just too easy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this has been your thing for a long time, and yeah. I, just, I don't agree with it. Well, I, in the end, it was right. Well, in the end, he stirred, hold he, on. I will make the argument that you're wrong. No, he started the well, poll. Hold on. I, he, I this this spiraled uh, out of control when he left social, social media, right? That was always your case, that it's therapeutic for him. Right. Did, didn't everything spiral out of control? That's what everything went, went no, south. Things spiraled out of control with, with some messaging he sent out before the season when he was going to be the... You know, league savior and do-gooder and snitcher and sabers this and flyers that. It's fine. But Didn't he also complain about his salary before the season? Yeah, but he also yes he yes he okay. complained. And he well, said the, he got less so money because of this. The spiral out of control when when fans see that and they're already kind of teed up against you. Now you're just freaking lighter fluid all over the potential fire. I mean, they were still kind of holding it together until he quit Twitter, and then then everything went chaotic. It was it, and listen, Robin Leonard being on Twitter didn't cause you know. Like nine all stars to be injured for th- for three months. I get months. that. Like and like Kelly McCrimmon being quote unquote toxic didn't. But, you, cause but Adam, that. you get my point. In an organization that wants to be super secretive, a guy who is talking about the Flyers and the Sabers and other problems around the league is not going to be on board. So when he's part of that mix, your secretive thing goes right out the window. Yeah, not I, everyone's going to cooperate. I definitely think they should be more open. The, listen. If you want to trace this back, and you were mentioning that it was kind of tracing back to Flurry and everything that happened there, like their desire to be private in that situation cost them dearly in the they eyes of, of the public. They got destroyed. Because they were trying to be private and yep. say, hey, look, we're going to handle this behind closed doors. We're going to trade him, and we were honest with him and upfront about it, but we're going to be quiet about it and not say it publicly. Then that allowed an agent to come in and be like, we don't know what's going on, when they absolutely knew what was going on. And then the public is like, yeah, we didn't either. Because they because they were being private about it. So yes, their desire to be private more than anything mm-hmm. has been an issue for sure, and it's allowed people to make their own narratives based on what they think is going on in that room. So yeah, I think that's been an issue, but I also don't think that's changing. Number three, did the Lions muck up the beginning of the draft for the NFL? It was funny on <laughs> Thursday. JVT was on. He started flipping out at Silver Sevens when the Jaguars took all ten minutes. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, that's. The- <laughs> The teams all have to cooperate. They're going to stretch this out. They've got all these features, stories, you know, different guests at the draft. And so the Jags make their pick, and then all of a sudden it was like, right to the right to the freaking dais. Lions are ready to go. Was that a problem for the NFL? Supposedly. Suppose the Lions said that when they – because when – I think their plan was if Hutchinson goes one, we take Thibodeau. And if Hutchinson does not go one, we take Hutchinson. And when Hutchinson didn't go one, they said, all right, Hutchinson's our guy. And so as soon as the Jaguars turned in their pick and it was announced, the Lions ran to the podium and turned in their pick. It's, it's something we've joked about for a long time of, hey, if this guy's on the board, they're running up there. The Lions literally they did really it. They really did. They ran their pick and said, here's our guy. We're making the pick. And the NFL's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got we got to show him you know, crying and you know, hugging everybody back home. Like We don't have time for your pick right now. Slow it down. And now when, because you turned in yours, now we're going to have a back people behind you. So the NFL is like, slow down. And, and by the way, the leaks start getting accelerated. Sure. Because 
I we're sitting there watching the TV coverage of Silver Sevens. I tell Von Tobel, I don't want any leaks. I just want to watch what is sort of live in front of me, though that I believe is live. And he just he blurted it right out. And yeah. that was like the only bet I cared about in the draft. Aiden what? Hutchinson. You had Hutchinson not going one? I had him not going one. I had him going two for minus one sixty. Going three for five to one, going four for eighteen to one. I just wanted a little drama, and it was like, you know, first pick Trayvon Walker Hutchinson just went. I'm like, all right. But I, I will also. All right, John. Thank I, you. I will also point out that it's something that uh, I talked to Daniel Jeremiah about. And I think he talked about it on the broadcast as well. Um, he said it's a new era. He said the old school GMs literally would say, "We are waiting until we have one second left because we want." We want everybody to, to be in suspense. We want somebody to make a phone call. Yeah. We want somebody to panic. Never know. And you never know what's going to happen. And the new guys are like, we've made our decision. We've we've had... Brad Holmes ain't playing games. You've had five months to talk to us about this. If you want to trade up, you trade up. We know there's no offers out there. We're just making the pick. And he said it is it's kind of an old versus new. Coming up, top two stories, including our call on how Las Vegas handled the NFL draft. What can it do better? What did it fail at? And do we want the draft back here anytime soon? It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. The only thing that really kind of resonates the ball with political science is just understanding people. You know what I mean? Because if I can understand somebody, my teammate, my coaches, or you know, whoever, that just makes me better, makes me be able to pour into them and they can pour into me. And I think, you know, really in actuality, it's helped me just bring a lot to the locker room at Tennessee. And I plan to do that same thing in Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. studio. Draft picks of the Raiders, Matthew Butler. One of the big defensive linemen. They added Neil Farrell, a defensive lineman from LSU, drafted two offensive linemen. Dylan Parham was the highest pick in the third round. Guard center. Thayer Mumford. We'll see. We'll see. Play tackle. My guess is that he probably slots in more as a, a guard and then a backup tackle, right? Yeah, I would think so. As long as they don't play the the Lions. Zamir White. Britton Brown. Raiders grade for me. Hey, let's go. A grade. You're, inclu- you're including Devonta Adams in that? No, I don't like when people do that. Well, you have to. It's what you used your first two picks on. A plus. Okay, okay. I updated okay. A plus. A plus. Well, then how? I mean, because how would you I don't grade do it? it? Because there's also the salary that comes with it. So I think you have to grade that. Like, well, was, is, the, is, is the money well spent? That's fine. If we're not including Devonta Adams in it, it's like a D. Why is it a D? Your best player is a third round pick. Well, that's what they. I'm I'm, dra- I'm grading from the third round down. It's fine. This this crew four needs. Hey, okay. I mean, I would say it's like a B. I, I think they did really well. I, I think they got a co- they got they bolstered the offensive and defensive lines. They got versatility on both, which they really badly needed. They didn't address some major needs. I think they absolutely need to get younger. Uh, at cornerback, at linebacker, they need influx of talent there, and I would have liked to see a receiver. I think it's the as much as I like, you know, the players that running back. 
you you don't need twelve. You just don't. Okay. And so I, I think that there were some some parts about that, but for the value that they got, uh, guys that I thought that were would have been gone. I thought Parham would have been long mm-hmm. gone by the time they picked. Great job there, uh, and, and and building and bolstering along the offensive and defensive lines. I think they definitely needed to do. Adam Hill winners, Ravens, Jets, Jets, and Chiefs. What are we trying to do here with the Chiefs? What are we trying to? We're trying to twist the knife on the Raiders stands a little bit. A really, the Chiefs did a tremendous draft. Based on what? Based on several things. First of all, well, doing what I thought they should do and trading up to get Trent McDuffie was, I thought, very, very smart. It's, it's a they had so. Trading up for anybody that's not a quarterback, I usually have a big problem with. It's just it's silly to invest capital and to try to move up and get guys in the draft like that. But here's an issue with the Chiefs that a lot of people didn't really think about. The Chiefs had 12 draft picks. Did they have 12 roster spots available? You can't use all 12 picks. you got to use the picks to maneuver around the draft or get capital for down the road. Yes. And so to package one of their first and some later picks and move up, and get the guy they really, really wanted in Trent McDuffie after he started to fall. Great job. I thought that was very smart. Then they resist the urge to take a lesser receiver when they didn't think what there was value for him on the board. I don't love Karloftis, but it's a definitely a position of need. And the reason I don't love him is because he he doesn't have – first of all, he's not an elite pass rusher necessarily. He's more of a three-down guy. They can play against a run. He's got an unbelievable motor. He just never stops playing. And so I think he'll help them out on the on the defensive side of the ball. He can play a lot of plays. He's got power. He can he still has enough moves. He's just not an elite at that level. So he can be out there and be helpful to bolster the defense in a lot of different ways. He's going to be a usable piece. And uh they wait on taking a receiver and they get Sky Moore, who I think absolutely has tremendous upside as a wide receiver, especially in that offense. He's going to be really good. Like I think they did pretty much everything well, including getting Leo Chanel, who I thought was underrated. Okay, I'm not going to fight you on it. And I trust their talent evaluation. So they seem, at least recently, they seem to know linebackers because Nick Bolton was a hell of a pick last yeah, year. Yeah, it was great. Eagles, winners. And you're including A.J. Brown at 25 mil a year? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And because they've got a quarterback on a rookie deal. So you can do that. And yeah. I encourage I encourage teams that have quarterbacks on rookie deals to spend a lot of money on receivers. And if you ask why, because I wouldn't ordinarily necessarily do that, but if you say, why would you do that? It's because if Jalen Hurts isn't unbelievable this year, mm-hmm. you can move on. Yep. And then you've got another three years of a quarterback because they'll probably take a quarterback in the first round next year. Then you've got another three years of cost-effective quarterbacking. Sure, absolutely. And and you can, you can find out what you have in your quarterback by paying receivers a lot of money. If, if you don't do that, if you don't go to that strategy of really putting a great receiving core around somebody, you get stuck in the Sam Darnold area, which I which I think Sam Darnold – I actually still think Sam Darnold can play. I still think he can. I'm, I'm not giving up on him because tell me who the what these great offenses he's played in has been. When has he had people around him? He hasn't. And so you're still left wondering. I don't know if he's good or not. The worst place you can be with a quarterback is wondering if they're good or not. Like they will know – whether Jalen Hurts is good because he's got all this talent around him now. So he has to succeed, and if he doesn't, you move on. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. 
Oh, yes, I'm most definitely confident in my ability. Um, just being able to uh, show my versatility. I feel like that's one of the things that they really enjoyed about my play style, just me having uh, multiple looks at different positions with left guard, right guard, and right tackle, along with a little bit of center work. And so I feel like that's one of the biggest things that they enjoy about myself. And um, I definitely feel confident amongst the entire offensive line. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Dylan Parham. Parham? Parham? Okay, Parham. Offensive lineman, Memphis. Quite the body change over the years in college. Put on a lot of weight. Good weight. Really? Not fat-ass weight. I put on a lot of weight, but no one wants a before and after picture of me. Sure. I have no upside. This guy does. So, versatility. Especially on the offensive line, versatility on the defensive line. We'll get into the undrafted free agents the Raiders brought in. In just a couple minutes, because I think there's some patterns there as well. You said the Ravens and the Jets were also winners in the draft? Yeah. Well, the Ravens are <laughs> ridiculous. That's a good organization. <laughs> they're and then they're sitting, you know, they're sitting in a perfect place. It just, you know, Kyle Hamilton, there he is. You yeah. know, people say he might be the best, you know, most impactful player in the draft. I'm yeah. not a lover of taking safeties in the top 10, and the Ravens get him. Uh, yeah, 14. They, they, they can wait. They don't get him in the top 10. But at 14, he becomes an unbelievable value. And he's just, he's a Ravens-type player, guy that kind of flies under the radar in the testing. But the scouts are like, yeah, that guy's amazing. They get him. They make moves all over the place, as they always do. Uh, first of all, to get a first-round pick for a player who doesn't want to be there and has made it clear. We talk about this all the time. Players that want to leave and they're publicly campaigning to leave, yeah. you're ruining your chances of leaving oftentimes. Because nobody's going to give up massive capital for you. Yep. The Ravens somehow get a first-round pick. If I'm correct, the Hollywood Brown thing that he wanted out kind of emerged after the trade, right? Like, it wasn't really publicly known. It was publicly known at the time, and then it went away. Okay. You see what I mean, though? There's a way that you can manage these things so you don't destroy your trade value and don't destroy, don't screw over the organization you're with. Now, that said, I don't understand why Lamar Jackson had to put up a WTF. I think that's stupid. It's infantile. You're the head of the organization. Eh, You know, just keep it quiet. If you got a problem, call up Harbaugh. I'm sure you guys can hash it out. Sure. He he, he also knew. He did know. He was was trolling. He was told. Yeah, he was trolling. It was weird. I I don't know what he was I don't get it. Um, And then the the Jets? Well, the, the Jets, they should do well. Like they should do it. They have two first, two first, two right. picks in the first. But they pack. got aggressive in seeing Jermaine Johnson there, who some people had. I mean, I heard. I think it was Mark Ross from NFL Network said he was a seventh-rated player, and then Kuiper, I think, had him a. And he's sitting there at twenty-six. So the Jets trade back into the first, and I think for an additional first and get him. And also, I'll say this: like because a lot of times you can say, "Well, that's not what you said before." That kind of thing. Listen, I I did say Jermaine Johnson is the second most overrated player in this draft. I had that. I put that out on Sunday. He's, he's incredibly overrated. But that was because people were putting him at number six and seven. Right. When you get him late in the first round, that is, that's incredible work yeah. by them. That Mark Ross dude said Thibodeau, uh, pass rushers, Thibodeau one, Johnson two. Right. And so that's when I he had starts to become, him. I think, overrated. But that doesn't mean he's not really, really good. Right. And by the way, he's another guy, like I mentioned earlier with another with Karloftis, Johnson is better at this, but Johnson is a three-down guy. Johnson is better against the run than he is against the pass right now, and he's pretty good against the pass. He's pretty disruptive in the backfield, but he's better against the run. 
So he's gonna be he's gonna be a guy and keep out there all the time. Like that that's a very valuable part of trying to build the defense that they're trying to build. And I think that's part of why they liked him. Good job of them. I also think, listen, I think they traded up to get Brees Hall, which silly to trade up to get a running back. But again, a lot of draft capital. They had already got the best player at like three different positions, or at least in the top three, three different guys. I think getting a guy like that that you can count on, that's a weapon that you believe in, that is also a guy that can play three downs because he can catch the ball really well out of the backfield. Great work by them. I thought it was a great job overall by the Jets. Rookie of the year. Check that. Offensive rookie of the year odds. Drake London, plus 550. Kenny Pickett, plus 650. Brees Hall, 8-1. Traylon Burks, 8-1. Garrett Wilson, 9-1. Kenneth Walker, 10-1. I think Kenneth Walker will put up bigger numbers this year than Brees Hall. I think it's possible. Because yeah. of the team. Is Pete Carroll is going how, to run that guy. How far does that lot. list go? Because uh, I think Damian Pierce wins rookie of the year. I'm going to go off the board and uh, and really kind of maybe pull a surprise pick. But it, it is all it's all where you go. And again, I, I went into the draft. Damian Pierce was a guy I thought you know, maybe was a little bit, um, maybe people were look, overlooking him a little bit. Uh, so just I wanted to see where he ended up going. And he goes to the Texans. I think he finds a role there very early on. I think he gets a ton of work. And I think he could he could definitely be a guy that goes into that list. This draft must have made you so happy. This draft must have made you so happy. Is my mic working? Yeah, it is now. Yeah. Uh, because of because of how the league treated running backs oh. and and the Raiders also with Josh Jacobs. Not that you're rooting against Josh Jacobs, but it seems like the league is finally getting it that running backs just are not worth a first round pick. They're not. I mean, and you can you can get guys in the third and fourth round, and you know that first year they can be contributors. Yeah, and uh, and they're and it's again. I I'm not an anti running back person. I'm just a. You have to be realistic about how you build rosters now in the NFL, and overpaying for running backs is not the way to do it. And overvaluing running backs is not the way to do it. You can find guys. You build the offensive line. You're going to have guys that can run behind it and get yards. Now there are game changing guys. Derrick Henry, I think, is a game changing guy. Christian McCaffrey, when he's healthy, game changing guy because of how he can be used and, and utilized in an offense. There's very few that are complete game changers at the running back position. And if you find those, then yes, you have to capitalize on them, seize them, and pay them. That's fine. But there's so few of those guys. And, it, you know, a, a Josh Jacobs-type player who's a very, very, very good running back isn't a game changer. Right. You can find him in the third and fourth round. Yeah. If you trust your personnel people. Yeah, absolutely. You All can. right, the draft itself, you were down there. Yeah. Thoughts? Vegas and the draft. How'd we do? Well, I think one one downside of the draft in Vegas, which is not Vegas's fault necessarily, it was hot. Like people were out in the sun all day, and I, you know, I was there for a couple hours at a time. Is your nose scalded? Yeah. Well, uh, I have. I'll tell you what worse because I started to feel like you. I didn't realize, I still don't think, but for some reason, the way I had my hair done, yep. the top of my head is burned to toast. And I didn't know it. That's not how you had your hair done. You're going bald. No, I have so much hair. Well, how'd the sun get through? 
Because it's I not have as thick it, as it used to be when you had a fro. Because spiked up You're with gel. You're old man. Spiked up with gel to do TV stuff. Yeah, you gotta watch and then it. There's, there's, yeah. You gotta watch it. And I went. I you didn't even know it. You gotta spray your head. I did the last three days, but I didn't even know it until I got in the shower and it was right. scalding yep, hot. Yep. And I was like, "Whoa, what? What is that? <laughs> what happened? It's ridiculous." But yeah, Sorry, my face, I'm not happy that you got burned. My face is completely burnt. And I and listen. I had a place inside to go in the back in the draft room where I could get out of it. But people that were out there all day, I felt bad for. Anyone who's listened to the show over the years, uh, the, the Adam Hill's face getting burnt at an event is—I mean, it's just—it this is such an old topic. Standard. But uh, what we I'm, need an intervention with is, your family to just uh, here. Here's a lifetime supply of. Well, it goes bad after a couple of years, but what I'm here's saying sunscreen. is, here's fifty for your face. I had so much sunscreen. The the issue. I'll tell you what the issue was. Tuesday on all the tours of all yeah. the venues, I was there for like eight hours. And it wasn't hot. And I still cannot That's figure out the worst that when it's kind not of sun, hot, Adam. You just don't feel I it. Still can't it's figure still it out. hot, though. Because the other days it was hot. I was covered in sunscreen. It was fine. Yeah. That, that was Okay, that was bad. so aside from being hot and you getting scalded, Vegas reaction. I thought, well, again, I thought I thought for people that were outside the whole weekend, I, I felt bad. I think that was something that maybe okay. you build more, more shade uh, for the fans. But... I would say, in terms of handling events, we know how to do it. Yeah, the strip, the strip was shut down. I assume. Now, I will, I will use a caveat here that I stayed there. I didn't leave. Right. So I don't know what it was like getting in and out every night. I don't know what it was like, kind of going, trying to go across town. But staying down there, I mean, it was every every place was packed. The businesses were doing well. I think everybody was probably happy with that part of it. Um, it seemed like there was a good plan for traffic management. Except for there probably wasn't the greatest planning for where pickups would be. Like Uber or rideshare. Where was it? Well, I saw long lines like behind the link promenade, but I don't think cars could get in there. Was it behind Bally's? Well, I I, I don't know where they were supposed to go. Yeah. I saw people waiting in weird places. There was a little bit of a turnaround in front of Caesars Forum, which would be like behind Harris. Mm-hmm. There was like a, a little, there was like a turnaround place where they could go in there and pick people up, but I don't know how they would access that from the other side of the strip. Right. So I don't, I don't exactly know what what that plan was or how logistically it worked out, but it seemed like from Thursday morning when I got there, and it was like, okay, you can get off on Flamingo, you can go down Flamingo, you can't go down past Las Vegas Boulevard, but you can turn on Las Vegas Boulevard and get access to all the hotels. So that I checked in. And then I was there, and then when I got out, it was they were starting to open the roads again, and it was it was very easy to get out too. Like I don't know what it was like in between, so I assume there was probably some problems for people. But I think Las Vegas, more than any place else, if you're going to do an event like this, knows how to make that happen, and it seemed like they did. Okay, what do you think about the location? So the stage at Bellagio, and I saw you answering questions. Uh, most people were like, "What was it for?" Yeah, red carpet, and that's really all I got used for. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, well, that's also where the NFL Network stage was. It was right in front of there. Okay. Uh, so they were over there too. Right. Um, my, this is not. I didn't talk to people there. This is my guess. Is what happened, is that the NFL sold both properties. Right. They sold Caesars on, hey, we're gonna have the draft at your property, and everything's gonna be about you. And then they said to MG, to MGM and and Bellagio like. Okay, well, you can pay us too, and we'll have an event at your, sure. at your place. Sure. Sure. Like, I think that's basically what happened is that it was just the NFL selling everything. They sold the draft 
to Caesars and they sold the red carpet to MGM and they they did it up big and credit MGM for doing really well publicizing that the draft was at Bellagio, even though it wasn't. What about the draft area itself, the stage, that canopy? Do you think it was big enough? Yeah, I mean, like, like again, i i would have I would have liked to see them extend it further to where other people were, so they could kind of be under the cover um, of the draft during while it was going on. Because I know people were trying to stand out there and watch for hours at a time, and they're like, "I can't do it. I have to go and inside for a while or right. find a place to go." I would have liked them to extend that canopy a little bit more. Um, I know I saw I, I, there was one person here in this building actually that was like, "I keep." Look, going out, looking at the stage, I don't see anything happening. Like, what, what is going on? And it was kind of in the corners a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't really see it from everywhere. Um, but it was a cool setup and a cool incorporation of Vegas for sure. Uh, but in the draft experience was cool. I don't know how many people went went down there. It was free to go, you know, run the 40 and do the vertical and kind of do, like, the combine training, kick field goals, that sort of thing. That was cool. Right. There's player appearances. That was cool. Like, it, there was a lot of stuff for people to do, and especially on day three when there was very few people there. We didn't have to wait in line at all. Um, so, I mean, there was there was a lot of cool things that were built in for for people to do for free and to go out and check it out. So I like that part of it. But I do think the actual draft area, if you cover more of an area, more people could have stood there and watched it for longer. Do we want the draft again? Adam will answer. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. I asked a question before the break. It was a stupid question. Do we want the draft back? Of course. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Every five years? Rotation? Every year? I don't think we're going to get it every year because I think the... The league needs to give the uh, kind of piss poor weather markets a little carrot because they're never getting the Super Bowl. True. Like, you know, Buffalo and New York are going to spend over a billion dollars on this new stadium. You're never getting a Super Bowl. So here you go. Draft. Take a draft and we all pray for good weather in freaking late April. Hopefully there's no lake effect snow. That's all they're getting. And same thing with Kansas City. No matter what Kansas City does, because there's always talk about, you know, even though they put a bunch of money into Arrowhead, whatever they're going to do, you're, you're never getting the draft. Well, they actually are getting the draft, aren't they? Isn't that funny? They are next year. Yeah. Which I think, well, I'll say this. They're going to get a much bigger crowd. They're going to kill us in terms of the crowd. But, so here's my take on the draft. The I heard the first day there were 40,000 people out there. The second day there were about 10. I don't know what it was on the third day. Um, but that area wasn't built to handle much more than 40,000. But I also think it was built to the specs that Vegas needs because not everyone who was here for the draft was down in the draft area. Right. They were at pools and hotel bars and sports bars, and that's the way it should be. Now, what what I would love to see happen, but I think there's a couple reasons it can't. I would have loved to seen the stage right in the middle of LV Boulevard and Flamingo with one of the corridors, right? Probably going north, the stage facing north. Hey, Caesars, you're right there, right? Part of the deal. Um, and then have all the fans going up. LV Boulevard. Now, that would even be a smaller area, yeah. you know, from a width standpoint, but it would go back forever. You'd have to have screens set up. Um, but I also don't know that security-wise. Yeah, I don't think they, they wanted that. I, You know what? Yeah, I don't think security-wise that would work. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, but I, I thought it was pretty solid. I will say this. Now, this is, this is me going down late in the day on Friday. Um, I think they needed more points of purchase. Like, we could not get a drink. 
And then when we did try to get a drink, because we were down there probably like 6 o'clock, we're like, oh, we're going to watch Ice Cube after 8. We walked over to the link, um, got uh, got a round of drinks at like 8.15. Ice Cube's not on yet. We start to hear them. We walk back over the bridge. We're like, closed. I'm like, all right. Well, the, most of the reason we came down here, so we're going to be watching from behind the fence. So that, that I but think I did, was, But I also think that was a security thing because they're like, it's late in the day. Most of the people inside are blitzed. Well, they didn't want people coming for the concert. Like you, people were the, the the concert was a reward for going to the draft, <laughs> right? It was like that's a weird way to put it, right? They didn't want people coming for the concert. Yeah, like well, it's free. They right. don't want people just showing up for right. for well, a concert. But a lot of people did that and not going to the draft. I think they were watching the draft in other places because most of the people who came down who were around us who got shut out, they were all wearing NFL stuff. So, and maybe they were inside and they thought they could walk back. You know, they took a break, got dinner. Yeah. You know, not many people want to hear all the seventh round picks. Tried to get out of the sun. That too. So. Well, that was third round picks. It's a good point. It was third yeah. round picks, but that's a long day. I will say there was nobody there on Saturday. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. So do we not deserve it? Because we didn't pack it all three days. No, I don't. Well, first of all, I don't know that anybody has. No, like I don't. I don't know. I wasn't in Nashville when they talk about how big the first round was. Right. I can't imagine the third. The third day was yeah. that big. And Philly's first round was crazy. Yeah, but they also had such a big area. You know, work in whatever park that was. Right. Different. And I think you're right. There was a lot of people that were here that didn't actually go to the draft. They came for the draft but didn't go to the draft. This said, it should never be ever uh, in a venue like it was for the first whatever it was, 30 years, 40 years, in like a small theater. You can't do it anymore. It's such a like an NFL convention type feel that you're going to be able to get you know hundreds of thousands of people to show up in pretty much any city as long as the weather cooperates. Well, like the first 40 years were in a hotel room. Yeah. And then they started putting it at Radio City in like 1980. Actually, like 1983 or four. Uh, till, because ESPN wanted to put it on TV. And mm-hmm. they were like, why? And so, yeah, like for a long time it was in a room. And by the way, the first couple drafts, they would just put names on a board and the teams would say, all right, that guy, I'll take that guy, I'll take that guy. You couldn't, like, go do scouting and find your own guys. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Theme in the Raiders un, uh, undrafted free agent class. There's at least, what, 13 names, uh, three linebackers, three safeties. I think that says something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, there, it was areas they needed to address, for sure. And for whatever reason, the you know, didn't fall where they wanted to in the draft and decided to wait till after. But this is where... You know, this is not like throwaway time. Like, it's not like you, huh? you finish the draft and you're like, oh, we'll take these guys or whatever. Like, th- this is a big part of what you're doing your scouting for is post-draft. Mm-hmm. And you saw a lot of guys signing right away. And, just, you know, immediately teams, as soon as their their picks were out, they're, all right, we're going to get this guy, this guy, this guy. We're going to take this guy. Um, so, yeah, and then there's bidding between teams. Like, Did you see yeah. the most coveted pick, I think, from a dollar standpoint? on Undrafted free agent. Who was that? Might have been Carson Strong. Could have been. He was guaranteed $320,000 to sign with the Eagles. Yeah. And he, and by the way, it's a good opportunity there. Like, they're not, as we said, they're not fully committed to Jalen Hurts necessarily. Carson Strong probably would have been drafted if not for his knee issue. Uh, so it would make some sense that there's some, uh, you know, some, some teams that are after him. And when they are, that's when you have to pay a guy money. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So we mentioned Mountain West Conference football players uh, getting drafted. Trey McBride, Colorado State, 
goes in the second round to the Cardinals. Cole Turner, big tight end from Reno. Physical specimen. Like he he could be he's got a little thicker to be a blocking tight end, but he could definitely be a post up guy in key situations down near the end zone. Um Washington also is rolling the dice on Armani Rogers. Yeah. Former UNLV quarterback who's, you know, six five and two hundred and forty five pounds and about as athletic as you're gonna get at tight end. Ridiculous we'll be, speed. Yeah, we'll be interested to see what they do. So hopefully hopefully him. they can put him he's gonna get on I don't think he's gonna make a team. Hopefully he gets on a practice squad and gets a couple of years to work on his skills. Maybe some trick plays too. Why am I blanking on the V Tech quarterback turned tight end? Logan Thomas. Who's turned into a pretty good tight end in the NFL. Yeah. So that that's the model. Yeah, for sure. And, and listen, all you want is a chance, right? Yep. And a bunch of guys got chances, and we'll and see what they do with them. Now you're conflicted because the punt god landed with the team you love to hate, the Bills. Matt Ariser from San Diego State. Oh, Aren't yeah, you I'm, mad? I'm out. You're out, you're out even more. Yeah. You won't root for Ariza? You're not going to get an Ariza jersey? No. Like a generic? Just NFL player? No? No.